Hi everyone, I'm Anya Parampil and this is Redlines. My guest today is the Gray Zone's Ben Norton. His recent article is titled, U.S. Government-Linked PR Firm Ran Fake News Networks for Right-Wing Latin American Regimes. Nice to see you, Ben. Thanks for having me, Anya. Can you start by explaining what exactly CLS Strategies is and how many people they were reaching with these fake accounts? CLS Strategies is a PR firm based in Washington. In fact, it's a few blocks from the White House. And this is not just any old PR firm in the U.S. This is very closely linked to the U.S. government. One of its founders is also the founding member of the Latin America Center at the Atlantic Council, which is NATO's de facto think tank. So these are powerful people. Another co-founder of the organization was previously the executive director of a major Democratic Party institution. So it's also linked to the Democratic Party. And this PR firm has worked for dozens of foreign governments. In fact, they boast on their website they've worked for political operatives on six continents, so basically all of the inhabited continents. I went through their their government records that they filed with the Foreign Foreign Agents Relation Act, and then they've also went through the the information they have on their website, and I've showed that they have worked with the Venezuelan opposi- right-wing opposition, they've worked with the Colombian government, they've worked with the Bolivian coup regime, they've worked with the Honduran coup regime, they've worked with right-wing politicians in Brazil, in a host of many countries, Azerbaijan, so the list goes on. This is an important PR firm. And what's really scandalous also is not only were they posting fake news, not only were they impersonating other people, they were actually calling for an armed uprising, essentially, to overthrow the Venezuelan government. So we can talk more about what exactly they were doing here. But I think that, you know, to the extent that this scandal was acknowledged in mainstream media, there was there were a few reports, not that many, and, and they were pretty short and they downplayed what it was. We really need to understand that this is a closely U.S. government-linked institution, and it wasn't just spreading disinformation. It was actively encouraging destabilization of foreign countries, which is way more, way more than anything that, that Russia has been accused of. I mean, we've, the only evidence, so-called evidence we've seen is that maybe this Russian troll farm, the IRA, the other IRA, the 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 not good IRA, <laughs> supposedly maybe this this Russian troll farm posted some memes on Facebook. That's nothing compared to what we're talking about here, which is active destabilization. Yeah, this all came to light after it was reported. The company reportedly spent a whopping three point six million dollars promoting its ads on Facebook focused on campaigns particularly in Bolivia, Venezuela, and Mexico. Starting with Bolivia, what was the company's role in that country? Yeah, I'm glad you you asked, Anya, and I'm glad you started with that because that is extremely scandalous. Of course, your viewers and listeners probably know that in November of 2019, just several months ago, the U.S. government backed a very far-right military coup in Bolivia. And this was, of course, led by the military and police in terms of the the muscle behind the coup. But the political forces behind the coup, when I say far right, I'm not being hyperbolic. In fact, one of the main groups that helped lead the coup in Bolivia is called the Pro Santa Cruz Civic Committee. And this is a group, a neo-fascist group founded by the descendants of Croatian Nazis who fled to Bolivia after they lost in World War II. 
and they they've created a bastion in the elite city, the rich city, Santa Cruz. So these are the extreme forces behind the coup. Of course, the the current so-called interim president has the the great honor of being the first woman fascist military dictator in Latin American history, uh, Janine Añez. And what's interesting is, you know, that that's that's a point that's been raised by people as part of like the rebranding strategy of the U.S. empire to try to portray itself as more progressive. And if you look at the propaganda that CLS did, that's actually something that they tried to do. And, and when, I, when I mentioned after your first question, Anya, when I mentioned that this institution, this PR firm, is linked to the Democratic Party, that's an important point because one of the other members who's involved in CLS his, his name is Firestein. This is a guy who oversaw the Latin America policy for the Barack Obama administration. And it's very likely that if Joe Biden wins the presidency, Firestein will also oversee his Latin America policy. So the, who are the people doing this? These are Biden supporters. These are people who are very much part of the Biden camp in Washington. And they they were working with the Bolivian coup regime. They were hired a month after the November coup. And you can go, this is a matter of public record. You can find the contract they signed registered with the FARA office at the, of the U.S. government. And for the Bolivian coup regime, they created dozens of fake Facebook profiles, Facebook pages, and Instagram pages spreading this propaganda. And like I said, some of this propaganda, it wasn't just boilerplate right-wing propaganda. That was part of it, about how socialism is bad, trying to claim that the former socialist president, Evo Morales, who was democratically elected, trying to link him to drug trafficking, which is ridiculous. But they also had more sophisticated propaganda. They created a feminist page about women who support the Bolivian coup regime and how supposedly Evo Morales and his party, the Movement Toward Socialism Party, MAS, they're all brochalists, right? So we see, once again, the kind of counterinsurgency tactics used in the U.S. against the left, trying to portray socialists as all white, as all men, as misogynists. Ironically, these same neoliberal forces were weaponizing those tactics to support an actual fascist military junta in Bolivia. It's, it's pretty incredible. And what kind of content did it post regarding Venezuela specifically? The content regarding Venezuela was very similar. It was constant, an onslaught of propaganda in support of the Venezuelan opposition. But they also take, took it a step further. So whereas in Bolivia, they already succeeded in overthrowing the government. So they just needed to manufacture consent for the Bolivian coup regime. In Venezuela, they took it a step further because, of course, the Venezuelan opposition under Juan Guaido, even though Washington and some other Western countries recognize Juan Guaido as the supposed president, he doesn't actually control anything inside the country. So... In, in the Venezuelan propaganda pages created by CLS, they in, went so far as to impersonate Venezuelan soldiers. There, there was one page where they called on fellow soldiers, as the language they were using, as if they were a soldier, to, to, to disobey orders from the Venezuelan government, essentially to, to rise up against the Venezuelan government and to overthrow the elected government of Pre President Nicolas Maduro. And what's interesting is they also created an entire page dedicated not only to supporting people like Juan Guaido, but also to Maria Corina Machado. And Corina Machado is a very controversial figure in the Venezuelan opposition. 
even among other opposition supporters, she is one of the most extreme members. Uh, Maria Corina Machado works very closely with Marco Rubio and has openly called repeatedly for the U.S. military to intervene in her country and to overthrow Nicolás Maduro. And so this is it should be really scandalous here because it's one thing to post fake news, to post propaganda online. That's bad enough. But we're talking about active calls for the military to rise up and overthrow their government. This is this is way beyond anything that even the U.S. has accused Russia of. Yeah, actually, recently, Trump Venezuela envoy Elliot Abrams criticized Machado for calling for military intervention repeatedly, complaining that she didn't want to do any of the work herself in changing the government there. I thought that was interesting and just goes to show how radical she really is. What was the goal of CLS strategies in Mexico? Well, we actually don't really know much about the Mexico campaign because, unfortunately, the way that all of these big tech companies work, they don't believe in any transparency. So Facebook published a very brief report acknowledging that CLS Strategies was linked to this disinformation network, acknowledging that it created these pages, and acknowledging that its, its disinformation was focused on Bolivia, Venezuela, and Mexico. And it acknowledged that the propaganda toward Mexico was against the, the current left-wing president, uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador, also known as AMLO, or just López Obrador, and also his party, which is called Morena, the Morena party. So that was acknowledged. And then Facebook, instead of publishing all of the information and making it accessible for us to see how the propaganda worked, instead they gave it to a research institution at Stanford University, at their Internet Obser Observatory. So Stanford, those researchers were the only people who actually had access to the raw data, the specific posts, the specific $3.6 million worth of ads to look at, the specific pages. The only ones that we have access to are the, are the, the excerpts, the parts that they published in their report, which is a longer report. But what we do know, again, is that they were targeting Lopez Obrador, the Mexican president, who... There has been a growing campaign in Mexico, and he has been targeted by the right wing. And we know we're starting to see the beginning of a kind of color revolution attempt against Lopez Obrador. He's, he's not Hugo Chavez. He's not a self-declared socialist. But Lopez Obrador in Mexico is a progressive and a, a nationalist, a strong nationalist who doesn't follow orders from Washington, unlike the previous presidents, and who has an independent foreign policy. He, he frequently rails against neoliberalism. When he was elected in his speech, in fact, his inauguration speech, AMLO said that, that, that this is the end of neoliberalism in Mexico. And he has, has actually had a historic meeting with Cuba's president, Diaz-Canel. And Mexico has also said that they would consider selling gasoline to Venezuela. So once again, it's part of a trend here. What we see is that this U.S. government-linked firm, CLS Strategies, was targeting the progressive forces in Latin America, Venezuela and Mexico. Of course, I'm sure they have done other work, and we do know because of their own files that they have worked for right-wing opposition politicians in Nicaragua. So I think what we're really, Anya, what we're seeing here is we're just scratching the surface of a much, much larger disinformation propaganda campaign targeting all of the progressive forces in Latin America, and for that matter, the rest of the world. 
You mentioned CLS Strategies has close ties to the U.S. government. I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that and tell us who exactly is behind the operation. Absolutely. So one of the people I mentioned is very important, Firestein. This is a guy who oversaw Latin America policy for Barack Obama. So there's photos of him in the Obama White House advising Obama. Another key figure who needs to really be acknowledged here because this is the head of the kind of Latin America work at CLS is someone named Juan Cortinas Garcia. And Juan Cortinas, he, Cortinas, this is a guy who has worked for not only the Bolivian coup regime, and he was named as someone who oversaw their Bolivia operation. There's also a contract where he was signed to work with the Honduran coup regime. So exactly 10 years before the U.S.-backed military coup in Bolivia, there was a similar U.S.-backed military coup in Honduras, overthrowing the democratically elected government there, left-leaning president, uh, Jose Manuel Salaya, who was, not, again, not a socialist, but a progressive and a nationalist. And right after the coup in, in Honduras, the Honduran coup regime looked to find, you know, these PR flacks in Washington to help it rebrand, as uh, just as the Bolivian coup regime tried to rebrand. And they found a, a willing company called CLS Strategies, which actually at that time, it, it later rebranded. At that time, it was under a different name but it rebranded partially because of the press coverage of its role in working for the Honduran coup regime. And the main figure who was hired was this guy, Juan Cortinas. What was his job also? Juan Cortinas also was previously a press officer for one of the most important members of the neoconservative anti-Cuba lobby, a Republican congresswoman named Eliana Ross Layton. So this guy worked for an active congresswoman. He also worked for a right-wing Puerto Rican uh, governor. So this is, this is guy, a guy who's very closely linked to neoconservative networks. According to his, his FEC contributions, which I looked, the, the personal contributions he's made to politicians. This is a guy who has funded right-wing neoconservative Republicans like Marco Rubio. He also donates to Tim Kaine and right-wing Democrats. So that's another link. And then finally, another link here is that there is the a former Pentagon secretary, a Pentagon spokesperson, and someone who did, who was a press secretary who did work for the U.S. Marine Corps for 20 years, and someone who also worked directly with the the Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld under the the Bush administration, a hardcore neoconservative who oversaw the Iraq War. He is also a member of CLS Strategies, who is a, who is a, a major senior advisor there. So the links to the U.S. government go very deep. And then finally, there's another person I didn't even mention because he technically doesn't work there anymore, but CLS Strategies, the C, the L, and the S are different names. They're surnames of people who founded the organization. I mentioned that one of the co-founders was previously the executive director of the Senate arm of the Democratic Party. Well, there was another founder who's named Peter Schechter. Peter Schechter is one of the most prominent Latin America operatives, operatives in Latin America in the in Washington rather. So Peter Schechter has worked for a host of right-wing Latin American regimes, and he worked for the the extreme right-wing president, former president of Colombia, uh, who right now is being investigated for in potential involvement in crimes against humanity. I'm talking about Alvaro Uribe. Uribe is very closely linked to 
the drug cartels in Colombia, the U.S. government, there are declassified State Department documents acknowledging the U.S. government knew that Uribe was working very closely with death squads, paramilitaries, and drug traffickers in Colombia. Of course, the U.S. government strongly encouraged his rise to power, strongly supported him because he's such a close ally of Washington. And in fact, right now, I mentioned that in August, the Colombian Supreme Court arrested Uribe and put him under house arrest and is investigating him for bribery and crimes against humanity involvement in these massacres. Well, the response of the Trump administration was to lobby, to pressure the Colombian justice system to release Uribe. So anyway, this is an example of in Washington how these extreme right-wing war war criminals abroad like Uribe bring together both Republicans in the Trump administration and Democratic operatives like Peter Schechter. Peter Schechter, under, when he was working at CLS, when he co-founded it, he also worked for Enrique Peña Nieto. Uh, Peña Nieto is the former right-wing president of Mexico, notoriously corrupt, extremely corrupt. In fact, the, someone testified against him in court and said that that he took a $100 million bribe from El Chapo Guzman, probably the most notorious drug dealer in the world. There's, a, there's another major corruption scandal involving Peña Nieto that's going on right now. And Peter Schechter, again, this is someone who's closely linked to the Democratic Party. This is someone closely linked to the Biden campaign. And he's the co-founder of the Latin America Center at the Atlantic Council. Now, when he was working at CLS, what was he hired to do? The Peña Nieto administration, president-elect Peña Nieto, after the 2012 election, hired CLS to deal with its, with its image the week after the election. Now, why is that important? What happened the week after the election? Well, Peña Nieto in Mexico was very credibly accused of rigging the election, of stealing the election. And the second place candidate at that time was Lopez Obrador, the left-wing candidate. He cried foul. He pr produced many videos, a lot of evidence proving that their right-wing pre-party in Mexico, backed by the U.S., that they had actually bought a bunch of votes, that they were bribing people. There's video evidence of that. And then further, not only that, later, this happened a few years after the fact, a Colombian hacker confirmed he, he told Bloomberg that he was paid hundreds of thousands of dollars by on behalf of en Enrique Peña Nieto to, to and assemble a team of hackers to hack the Mexican election, to steal the election on behalf of this right-wing neoliberal who then proceeded to privatize. Why, why did Washington want Peña Nieto in, in office in Mexico? Because he campaigned on the promise to privatize Mexico's oil industry, which was nationalized during the Mexican Revolution. And they, they always, they, they were really desperate. U.S. multinational corporations really wanted to get their hands on the Mexican oil industry. And they accomplished that with Peña Nieto. So we're talking about degrees of corruption that are unfathomable. And this PR firm is deeply linked to all of it. And of course, the U.S. government is linked to it through CLS as well. You've mentioned the cases of Colombia and Honduras. I'm wondering what other countries and organizations do we know CLS Strategies has worked with in the past? Well, Anya, the list is very long. I, I don't want to bore listeners, but I'll go through it really quickly. These are all of the countries that this PR firm in Washington, D.C. has worked for. Argentina, Azerbaijan, Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Egypt, Honduras, Kenya, Mexico, Nicaragua, Nigeria, Peru, Portugal, Serbia, Spain, and Venezuela, as well as, of course, the World Bank, 
the World Bank, a notorious institution, and a variety of, of corporations, including Hyundai, including UNICEF, which is part of the UN, including Avianca, which is a major Colombian airline company, including the, the Arab Bank, including a Peruvian uh, airline, including, I mean, the list goes on. They, you can find on their website, they've worked for some of the most powerful corporations in the world and more than a dozen foreign governments. And, and Anya, also when I say PR firm, something that, that I should have mentioned, stressed earlier, is that in addition to doing PR, part and parcel of this work, I mean, the, there's not really much of a difference. This is also a lobbying firm, right? Because if a PR firm is hired on behalf of a foreign government, they're not only going to do PR work, they're going to try to gain favor here in Washington. Well, here, I'm not in Washington. You're in Washington. I'm in Nicaragua. But they're trying to gain favor, favor in, in Washington. And what's interesting is that if you look at the FARA documents, the Foreign Agent Registration Act files registered by CLS Strategies, we know that in addition to making all of the these fake accounts and spreading propaganda on behalf of the Bolivian coup regime, we know that CLS Strategies helped to work with members of the U.S. government in Washington on behalf of the Bolivian coup regime. So according to the documents that, that they released, the this PR firm organized meetings between the Bolivian coup regime and its extremist far-right minister of government, Arturo Murillo. This is a guy who is extremely racist against the indigenous majority in Bolivia. He referred to members of the former Evo Morales administration as animals and pledged to hunt them down. Well, CLS organized meetings between this extremist Bolivian minister and Marco Rubio, the neoconservative senator, senator Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, also members of the National Security Council, the U.S. State Department, the U.S. Agency for International Development, the Senate Committee for Foreign Relations, and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And this group also organized meetings, this PR firm organized meetings between the Bolivian coup regime and the Organization of American States and its general secretary, Luis Amagro, who is an extreme right-winger, as well as the head of the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights, and this PR firm, Lobby Group, it organized an event in Washington between the Bolivian coup regime and a major corporate lobby group, which is called the Council of the Americas, the America Society. And it goes even further. This PR firm organized interviews between the Bolivian coup regime and CNN and Espanol and a Spanish news agency, EFE, which is a major news firm. So, so what we're dealing with here is a PR firm that created an entire fake news network online and then proceeded to organize a series of meetings between top U.S. government officials, lobbying groups in Washington, think tanks, and media outlets on behalf of the Bolivian coup regime. And once again, this is just scratching the surface of the kind of dirty work that happens on a regular base in Washington. And, you know, why are we going into these details, Anya? Because this is just a microcosm. This is just one example of the systemic rot in Washington. This is how politics is actually made in Washington. It has nothing to do with U.S. citizens voting. Ben, I'm wondering what you think this CLS operation tells us about the potential Latin America policy we'd see under a Biden administration. Well, this is also one of the reasons I felt this, this case was so important. 
and this is why I investigated so deeply in this story, because like I said earlier, many of the people involved in this CLS Strategies campaign, many of them who have worked with it in the past, this PR firm, they're going to be, if Biden wins, they're going to be key members of his foreign policy team. And in fact, I think some of the people involved, I mentioned Firestein, this is the guy who oversaw Obama's policy. Mark Firestein will almost, there's almost certain, it's, he will almost certainly be the head of Biden's Latin America team. So, you know, unfortunately, one of the things I said in the article, and I'll just stress it again here, is that this scandal just underscores further how in Washington, D.C., the Democratic Party operatives, the apparatchiks of the Democratic Party who pride themselves on being liberal and feminist and anti-racist, they are just as implicit at, complicit as the Republican Party in supporting these extremist far-right groups in Latin America and around the world. And all this does is further highlight the bipartisan foreign policy consensus in D.C. Both the Democratic Party and these operatives like Mark Firestein and these former Obama administration officials who are now part of the Joe Biden camp, they and the Donald Trump administration, far-right Republicans, what unites them, what brings them together, is supporting far-right coup attempts in Latin America. Finally, Ben, Facebook deleted these pages as part of its campaign to limit foreign interference in elections around the world. Although this action revealed important information regarding U.S. regime change policy in Latin America, should we trust Facebook and other social media companies to monitor accounts such as this? And are they applying the rules fairly? Absolutely not, Anya. It's a great question. And something I didn't even mention, because there's just so many facts. There's not just one scandal here. There's 80, 90, 100 scandals all just together in one larger controversy here with Facebook. But what, what Facebook did is when they exposed what CLS was doing, they helped open Pandora's box, which exposes the deeper rot that CLS is part of. And, and I didn't even mention, I forgot to mention, that Peter Schechter, this is the Democratic Party operative. In fact, he created a woke, anti-racist restaurant that's, that's an anti-Trump-themed restaurant that's a block from the White House called Immigrant Food. And again, I, I need to remind people, this is a guy who has actively lobbied on behalf of right-wing Latin America leaders who support death squads and, and drug dealers. So, I mean, the hypocrisy is, is, is unimaginable. But even aside from that, Peter Schechter, I mentioned, the, the co-founder of CLS, also founded the Latin America Center at the powerful D.C. think tank, the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council is very closely linked to the Biden camp. And in fact, if Biden wins, becomes the president, it's very certain that the Atlantic Council is going to populate. The, these people who work at the Atlantic Council will be top members of his foreign policy team. Well, I didn't even mention that who funds the Atlantic Council? Of course, the U.S. government, NATO, Britain, the extremist monarchy, the United Arab Emirates, Western arms industry companies. But there's another organization that is one of the main funders of the Atlantic Council, Facebook. Facebook itself is one of the top donors at more than $1 million per year. And why? Because there's a very convenient relationship they have, a tit-for-tat relationship they have here. The Atlantic Council has a so-called lab that monitors disinformation. I say that in scare quotes and propaganda and fake news and social media. Well, 
the well, Facebook uses the Atlantic Council's lab that monitors supposed disinformation to to take down these so-called fake news networks on Facebook. So we have a reciprocal relationship here where the Atlantic Council, which is basically an arm of NATO, it's very close, it's funded by the U.S. government, very closely linked to the U.S. government. It's essentially an outsourced U.S. government institution. This group is used by Facebook to police so-called fake news on Facebook and censor that content on Facebook. And then Facebook, in turn, funds the Atlantic Council. So we see this this revolving door where basically it's the U.S. government that is helping to lead the censorship campaign on Facebook. And I didn't even mention earlier yet another part of this scandal is that at Facebook, this is the first time they have ever taken down a U.S.-based fake news operation. And Anya, you know, it's you know, I think there are quite a few fake news operations going on in the United States. Maybe I'm crazy, but I have a feeling that this is not the only one that's happening. Of course, we learned about Cambridge Analytica. We know about so many other operations. We know about the the U.S. intelligence operatives who, who retired and created a cybersecurity firm who tried to rig the Alabama election and by posing falsely as Russian bots. So th- this is one small example of the extreme corruption that goes on inside the U.S. in terms of social media manipulation, election manipulation. And this is the first time Facebook has ever dealt with it. All of other All of the other purges that Facebook did of so-called fake accounts have targeted foreign countries, mostly Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, Syria, the the boogeymen, the official enemies of the U.S. State Department. So Facebook has finally done it one time targeting a U.S. firm, but we should be asking, why aren't U.S. firms that regularly interfere in foreign elections and also in our own U.S. election, why aren't they held to the same standard? It's a very important question, and it's all brought to light thanks to this report you just penned at the Gray Zone. Ben Norton, thanks so much. Thanks, Anya.